DJ and PK brought to you in part by Bill Bar. Whether it's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel, enjoy a Bill Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Built.com and save 10% off your order using the promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. Time to welcome in Bill Bender right now, National College Football Writer for the Sporting News. He is here to talk about the title game, Georgia and Alabama. Bill, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. How satisfying do you find it to have a rematch of the SEC title game basically a month later to decide the national title? Does it bug you at all, or it is what it is, and these are the two best teams, so live with it? I'm kind of on the latter. I mean, it's, it's you know, maybe it's not enticing to the entire country, but um, they are the two best teams. They are the two most talented teams. There's four and five star talent all over the place, and it's not like Cincinnati and Michigan didn't have a chance. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it'll be a fun game. I, I, I get, but I mean, I get why there's a call for expansion. It's just that college football's not like the NFL playoffs. They, it's still a regional sport at heart. It seems like I want to say that I expect Alabama in a blowout, but I hope not. Uh, what do you think? No, I think this one will be closer. I think Georgia kind of, there's some key injuries for um, Alabama, obviously, not having John Mechie in this matchup, not having some defensive backs. There's the revenge factor for Georgia. I mean, they, they looked angry against Michigan, don't you think? Um, so uh, I think they'll come ready to play, and I, I think it's going to add up to a game that's a little bit like the last time they played in the uh, college football championship, which was, you know, for all the complaints about two SEC teams then, it was one of the best games. We saw Alabama lose to Texas A&M, and we saw them escape against Auburn. They were so close to being beaten, not in the SEC title game, not in the playoff, but they escape. And then how does Nick Saban do it? Because the team that played in the SEC title game, the team that played in the semi, didn't look anything like the team that played in the rivalry game. Is it as easy as it was the rivalry game? I think so. And, uh, you know, I, Auburn was up for them. It was LSU had their chances. Arkansas had their chances. Um, you know, it, it, it it's going to be really tight in some ways. So, um <sighs> But then he turns around and, and, you know, obviously the blowout win against Georgia. Now he's a genius. and They just find a way to adapt. And they find a way to adapt, not just on the field, but with NIL, with the transfer portal, with everything that comes with that. Um, He's an amazing coach. And, you know, I know we all try to find imperfection in Alabama, but it's really hard to spot. I talked to you a little bit about Pac-12. George Kalofkoff obviously has been the commissioner now for uh, several months. And one of the things that I like him, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you listen to him, where he's basically addressing what the Pac-12 needs to do and acknowledging their problems, whereas maybe the predecessor wanted to paint everything as uh, sunshine all the time. So I don't know if they can do it. But at least I think it's a good start that he's willing to say, we've got problems A, B, and C, and here's what we need to do. Whether they can do it or not remains to be seen. But when you say it's a good idea to at least publicly acknowledge them and maybe that's where you can get going? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's a lot to that. And, you know, obviously, um, a long way to go. But, um, you know, college football is just, and not to get off on a tangent, but it's just, it's such a interesting sport to me it's um because we all want what's next you know and i know i'm sitting out of playoff 
the the playoff expansion meeting right now, right? So everybody wants to complain about four. So if we go to 12, what do you guys think will happen next? I think people will be calling for 16, and all of this is happening. And can, can you guys imagine that something like this happening during the Super Bowl? You know what I mean? Like they were going to change the playoffs during the Super Bowl. <laughs> you don't want to take – like my point being that you, you don't want to take it away from the game. But, I mean, college football just works a little bit differently. It works a little bit differently, but we can't help but compare it to the NFL. And you just did, and that was funny. Obviously, if they go to 12, more teams are going to think they have a chance. But Alabama and Georgia – smoked people in the semis, so I think in a bigger playoff, they get buys, then they smoke people in the quarterfinals, then they smoke people in the semis, and we still end up in the same place. But maybe it entertains us in the same way that the Chargers and Raiders played a really entertaining Sunday night football game, and we don't think either one of them are going to win at all, but it was still entertaining. So is that Mm -hmm. the argument for the 12-team playoff? Maybe, and and here's my point. So we're the, the edge the NFL has on college football, and I and I do a little bit of NFL stuff for us too. I'm actually fleshing out wild card picks right now. Um, the they can sell any conference championship game, and we're going to eat it up. And I mean that by if Tampa Bay's playing New England, we're we're all in. If Dallas is playing uh, the Chargers in the Super Bowl. We're all in. And it doesn't matter what part of the country it is. And I think that's the hard part with college football is, you know, when, when Utah's playing, if Utah-Ohio State was the semifinal, there's no question that game, as entertaining as the Rose Bowl was, right, um, the semifinal would be that much better. And that's what I think. Michigan State-Pitt, how many more people are watching that? And Kenneth Walker and Kenny Pickett are playing. That's what they need. And the NFL is showing you how to do it. And the NFL's been doing it pretty well for a long time. A lot of stuff is driven by TV ratings, right? But then we find the Rose Bowl has outstanding TV ratings. And you think that the guys who sat out for Ohio State got such publicity. And Herb Street talked about it multiple times, including the morning of, right? And it seemed like it was a big controversy at the time. But then you look at the ratings of the game, and maybe it's because of the Rose Bowl where it's a singular game at that time. Tradition has remained the same. I'm just wondering if the watered-down nature of these supposed uh, watered-down nature, if you even believe it, uh, of these guys sitting out has created less drama. Can that drive uh, more of an issue towards the playoff? But at the same time, the Rose Bowl had fantastic ratings with these four pronounced guys sitting out. Well, I mean, there's no easy answer. I guess that's the hard part. Is There's not a college football can't get until we have some clarity. I mean, who knows? They could expand the playoff, and what do you do with the other bowls? The guys are still going to sit out. Um, now there's 40, 42, 42 bowl games, and okay, and then we're only going to say that six of them matter now? So guys will still sit out. Um, you know, there's no I, – I kind of went with the line that, you know, you never blame a kid for sitting out, but I'll also never blame a kid like Matt Corral for stepping in and playing in the game. So – because that's what he wants to do. It's his decision. It's not – my decision, it's not Twitter's decision to tell a kid what to do or not to do. And Twitter thinks they can make a lot of people's decisions. They don't make mine. Uh, do you think Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan to go to the NFL? The Bears' job is open now. There's a half dozen jobs opening, and that number may go up. 
do you think he's taken, whether it's the Bears, the Raiders, or something else, is Harbaugh leaving Michigan with the Big Ten title in his back pocket? I mean, maybe. I think the interest is there, and he'll entertain it. That's a Raiders call. But the thing is, it gets tricky. Timelines are tricky. The Raiders, uh, Raiders just made a playoff game. And what if they beat the Bengals? Then what? Um, yeah, I think with you know, my, I just read a tweet that Miami's not going to hire him, which that would have been another one we link him to, or the Bears. But to me, if you ask me this honest question, and it says in five years, Will Michigan play for a national championship with Harbaugh, or could Harbaugh lead a team to the Super Bowl? I, I would probably pick the latter, and I wonder if he's thinking that way. <clears throat> How long do you think Nick Saban keeps doing this? He just turned seventy and doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. I mean, as long as he wants, and uh, they'll be set up for success as long as he wants to coach. Um, yeah, I think the contract through twenty twenty seven. And that's that's a dooming thing for the rest of college football if you know that Nick Saban might be around for five more years because you know they're going to be in the hunt for five more years. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only comparison I can make is, and I'm not old enough, so I was talking to some people that do remember it, it is a lot like Wooden at UCLA when they just won it every year in the 70s. And maybe it's not fun for everybody else, but I I can assure you it's fun in Tuscaloosa. (laughs) So... He said that, uh, you know, NIL, it's going to make it lopsided. And back to Twitter. Twitter took it as he was complaining about NIL. And I think he doesn't think NIL is great for competition. But I also think, I thought when I first heard it, he thinks he's going to win even more and even more lopsided. Because basically he's only, air quotes, only winning the title once every other year. Does he think NIL will help him win three out of four? It might. And I think the transfer portal is helping them the most. And I know we've made all these comparisons to the NFL, but yet I would say that the transfer portal has made college football a little bit like the Major League Baseball. And Alabama, remember when the Yankees used to sign everybody and anybody and there's nothing you could do about it? Um, you know, they got Jameer Gibbs. They got Eli Ricks, the LSU corner. They, they are going to get whoever they want in the transfer portal because it's Alabama and recruits know that, you know, that's the quickest path to the NFL. So I think that more than anything, more than NIL to me is going to help keep this dynasty going. Well, Bill, we know you got to run. It's a busy day. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you again. Hey, thanks for fitting me in guys. I appreciate you. Have a good day. Bill Bender, national college football writer for the sporting news. Nick's not complaining. He's going to win even more, and he knows people yes, are complaining is. about it. He's always complaining. <laughs> he's not always complaining. Seems like it. <laughs> Does. <laughs> but he's not always complaining. <laughs> he wasn't complaining after the semifinal. Or he certainly wasn't complaining after the SEC title game. Uh, you don't know that. He found <laughs> something. That's his edge, man. And it works. I hold nothing against the guy. I, I know that when you win so much... People get tired of it for sure, and then they end up disliking you. I can honestly say I I have no ill will. Nothing that Saban does bothers me. Nothing. What about his complaining? (laughs) That's his edge. You've complained about his complaining. That's what works for him, though. You know, those ass chewings that he's talked Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. It seems ridiculous to do it to somebody like Lane Kiffin. 
But that's but, the difference but, between winning three titles and winning six. Yeah, I, I really believe that. The, the details matter, and he goes nuts about the details because they matter, and it's hard to hear that when you're winning to go to 9-0, and but he's thinking that detail is going to matter when we try to win game 12, 13, and 14. And when you look at how they escaped against Auburn, he's right. The method works. Why would I be bugged by someone who's had that much success? I'm envious, but that's not an emotion that goes towards annoyance. I don't think so anyway. Maybe some do, but I don't. So when I watch their team play and I watch him, I'm thinking, this is what works for him. It's like Gino R.E.M., it's women's basketball, so he doesn't get near the run. But he grates on people all the time, right? How's he stayed near the top? And we hear... Uh, I think the the Notre Dame coach, she's retired now. McGraw was the last. It's just not the maybe the last one, but she just recently complained about you know all this stuff that's uh, so unfair advantage wise for uh, UConn, and he went back at her. And he's had these disputes with a lot of these uh, women's basketball coaches. Seemed like all the time, and you listen to him talk, and and he's got that East Coast Italian thing about him. <laughs> But the dude gets the best players, and then they win. How can I be upset by that? How can I be irritated by that? It's the same thing with Saban over here, and it's a much bigger scale. I get it because it's football. But I actually appreciate and admire those folks who are successful in the athletic world. And this is my world that I work in and have for many, many years now. I find that a little surprising because you have complained about Saban for a long time. And there are days I get it because there are days... What should I complain about? Because there are days... His complaining. (laughs) I mean, it really is. That that is what gets it. And he's got to be so grumpy. Maybe if he steps back and smells the roses, he doesn't get it. Maybe that's what it takes. And that's what it takes for him. Is that what it takes across the board? Not sure. I can't. I can't prove it, but I 100 percent believe it. That if he stepped back and smelled the roses, he'd be sitting on. I think he's on six titles, but I could be wrong because he racks them up so fast. But he'd only have half of them. He only, have, which would still be awesome. Because Urban Meyer ended up with three, and he's the second best college football coach of the last quarter century, the quote unquote modern era. No, you just go by winning, I guess. With social media, yes, because. It is a regional sport, and the people with the most money win. And the fact that Urban chose the job he chose, and the fact that Nick has chosen the jobs he picked, well, yeah. totally underlines that. Nick could have stayed at Michigan State and been a legend. And he left LSU and won a national title. And when he left the NFL, he went right back to the SEC. He didn't take a Big Ten job. He knew where the highest percentage of the best four stars and five stars lived. You can find them anywhere, but you can find more of them in the SEC footprint. So he went there. Yeah, but he built it. I mean, they were six and six his first year. No doubt about it. But he saw the potential and he knew how it. I worked. mean, I don't know that these guys are the best coaches. I mean, to me, coaching is whatever talent you have, getting the maximum out of it. That could be. So some if you random, want to go with winning, some coaches, dude, right. we don't even know. Right, and the North Dakota guy. <laughs> you could yeah. well, and you could be great somewhere, grinding it out seven and five. Rocky Long did. Great coaching jobs in New Mexico. Absolutely, he did. But there aren't very many people who live there, and a very small percentage of them are elite recruits. And yeah, like one every five years. Exactly. <laughs> 
Right. So yeah. you can't. So that's great coaching. You can't build Alabama. I, 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 I just don't want to assign because that, uh, okay, but the guys, titles. I, I get that. That. Dis- that diminishes somebody like Jerry Sloan. Okay, so the guys who won the most titles picked the part of the country where it's easiest to win the title. They knew where the gravy yeah, they, was. I mean, they they went still have to do it, for though, it. because Agreed. there's other programs in, in those areas. And I, but I think those, and I think those two are great coaches. But they chose that part of the country because it's what Bill said. It is a regional sport. It's much bigger in that region than it is in other yeah, regions. Then, and it's big other places. Okay, but then but just it's not that big. when Pete Carroll had it going on, it didn't seem so regional. He had an awesome run. P. Carroll's Great departure coach. tipped the balance of power towards the SEC. In a sense, it did. <laughs> yeah. Because Yach here, well, who is just a freak with college football, saying the best game he ever saw didn't involve anybody from over there. It involved Texas and California. And those are two hotbeds unto themselves for sure anyway. So it's not like... Which the SEC... Your, your point is kind of uh, But in 2005... The same. In 2005, the SEC hadn't planted the flag in Texas in the way they have now. They got A&M, which they hadn't done in then, at that point. They started getting more players out of Texas. I don't know. I haven't and looked now at they've their doubled down. I don't know how many players they have from Texas. I can't speak for that. I, I, I'm, I have no idea. I'd have to go research it. Uh, I, mean, I, I hear that regional... But it didn't seem regional when uh, McKay and Robinson and Carroll were doing their thing for USC. Didn't seem so regional then. And didn't seem so regional when Chip Kelly had it going on at Oregon. And, and sure, both those teams, both those programs got slapped. But I don't care. They won. And their fan bases, they'll just make excuses for them. And stuff happens every decade or two that changes the uh, the base everyone's building off. It kind of changes the rules of the game. And the transfer portal and NIL are two things that can have that impact. So, how does somebody else figure out how to cash in on them? Because nobody wins forever, and the SEC won't win forever either. I'm not so sure the NIL is going to change things for Alabama. Think the transfer portal will have a bigger impact? You would bill on that? No. I don't think they need any change. They just have Nick, and when he retires, the magic is gone, and they're I back to six and six like I they were before. I have no Nick. idea. I can't say. I don't know. Maybe they unless get they hit who's another better. home run like they did with Bear Bryant and but, with Nick Saban. But this NIL stuff for those schools, I keep saying it, and whether you want to believe it or not, those kids were already getting it. Now they'll just maybe they'll get more. Great. Okay. My assumption is that schools that weren't willing to cheat at the level that you had to cheat at to win big over time yeah, might be willing to play by NIL. Yeah, but I'm, if it's almost like if you're not willing to cheat over time, then... You won't be willing to do NIL either? Yeah, well, you're not going to sell your soul for this stuff. That's what it's going to take. USC's had a frustrating decade. Maybe they'll sell their soul. Okay, they and will. That, and that everybody, Good for them. which is all, which is all it really takes. But they've already been there, done that. But, so yeah, fine. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't change the balance got, of power. They've got gazillionaires in uh, in Orange County, and whether it's we got gazillionaires NFT here too. or yeah, they got more. <laughs> yeah, but a big deal. I only need it one. only takes one, right? <laughs> Oklahoma State and Oregon have proven it takes one to change the course of your of your uh, college football team.
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, is coming up at 9 o'clock. And the Utah Jazz with a different look. And it's not nearly as good. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Keery and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day. How much do these last two losses prove Rudy Gobert's value? Ron says it proves he is the best interior defensive player in the league. Look at the stats Sabonis has when he plays against Rudy. And then look what he did against the Jazz without Rudy. It was obvious. Rudy having a massive impact just with his presence on the floor. Changes the way the other guys think. And Sabonis was like, Rudy's not here. I'm going to the rack. Sabonis, if he saw Gobert, he said, I would have had a cold. I don't feel like playing today. Matt says it's massive. His presence on the floor changes the way opposing teams can attack the Jazz. Obviously, he is underappreciated. He's like all those left-handed batters. Ooh, Randy Johnson's pitching today. Ooh, I ain't oh, playing. yeah. I need a day off. The hammy's a little tight. <laughs> the lower back. <laughs> uh, for sure. They are such a dramatically different team without him. He's their most indispensable player. Mitchell can get the acclaim. Because we love the people who score the points. Of course. Yeah. But when you can prevent the points, when you can convince five guys not to attack the rim and take a lower percentage shot, you have a massive impact. I really, really hope when we get to the postseason, the protocol stuff is behind. I don't know that it will be, and I understand the need for it all. I'm not making any political statements here whatsoever. Uh, I'm just making a, a sports statement because it sucks having these people for every team in and out. You don't know who's available. It's like college basketball. I'm having a real hard time getting into it because I'm not know, playing. I know, yeah, who's playing this right. week? And who is the team actually playing? And and if you haven't played since uh, ten days ago, you know what are you supposed to do? Uh, it's a rhythm game and all that stuff. You know, you hear from players at the highest level that they yep. like to play every other day. So playing uh, once a week and then missing a week and yeah. playing one more game. So disjointed. Teams are out of whack. Right. I'm having a hard time getting into it uh, the way I normally would. And maybe as we progress here along into February and grow c- closer to March Madness. I'll, Will you like it when the college kids are playing three games a day? Because I did read the West Coast Conference play three, is playing three, three games. Sorry, 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 it's not AAU basketball. I was going to say, like, <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, uh, well, you're going to have, <laughs> we're going to send, Nine, we're gonna send four teams to one city <laughs> on a Saturday. <laughs> we're going to use two gyms. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. It'd be different. It, it would be different. It would be very <laughs> age. these guys no, I've, had, I've had three games in a week. Then so, the West Coast Conference. I mean, I can and live I, with that. And we'll see if they actually make them all up. That's the plan now. We'll see how many yeah, they have I'm, to make I'm up. Yeah, I'm fine with that because we all go crazy for conference tournaments and you end up playing three in three days. Yep. So I can, I can, they are young. 
and they should be able to run around a little bit. Um, but it is uh, hindering my enjoyment of the sport. And I, I'll handle it now from the NBA perspective as long as I don't have it in the postseason. Well, I've got to have my yeah. pure postseason. May and June are a long way away, and I realize making any predictions about the future can turn, yeah. can turn political. Well, A, it's ridiculous, and B, it can turn political really quickly. And in I don't want to do right. that. But I was told in December that NBA teams, including the Jazz, were planning for it to be really bad through January, but that the trend in other countries with this variant was, yes, there's a huge spike, but there's a huge crash on the other side because the people get it and you do have natural immunity for a while. Now, how long that lasts and whether that will protect the playoffs, I don't think anyone can predict that. But I do think when we get to February and March, it's going to be way better than it is in January. And then you start Good. getting beyond that, Great. I don't know. But I, I think it's going to be better in three, four, five weeks. I got to have my sports. I got to have my Masters in the second week of April. Yeah, that, that November right. Masters was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> I understood it under the time. I did, but, but I gotta have it. I gotta yeah. have it normally. I gotta have my Kentucky Derby the first Saturday in May. These, are, I gotta have it. I gotta have my opening day baseball. And if you go on, it's, if you lock out a strike, I think you're stupid to do it. Um, but I gotta have it. I gotta have. I I, I got my my mindset, my calendar. Uh, even like next week, a week from today, MLK Day. It just screams NBA hoop, right? Bunch of games, games on during the day. I told you years ago when we lived in L.A., my wife was a school teacher taught in South Central at Washington Prep. And so they were off, and I was working nights at the Daily Breeze then, working a desk shift. And so for years, we went to the fabulous forum to watch the Lakers play on MLK Day. And it just became a, a part of who we were. I would get tickets through work. And we would go. It was like the only Laker game I went as a fan, as opposed to working. But I would go every single year. And I got to have it. So I'll live with it now for these guys being in and out of the lineup, if, if that's the way it's got to be. But I'm going to be furious if we get to the postseason and we have it. Because I want the purity of it. You know, I want Clay Thompson playing. Glad to see him come back. And I want the teams as they're constituted, as they're supposed to be, and have the best two teams go at it in June. So be it. Although I have an opportunity to go to Hawaii in June. <laughs> wow. That was a great... Yuck, did you enjoy that? Laying down the law and then all of a sudden, Let's comma, wait. <laughs> comma. Well, I tell you, my sister has a timeshare, and she gave it, but she's been trying to give it to us for two yeah, I know. years. Right, yeah, I remember. And we we got it set. We got it set over the weekend, mm-hmm. bought the airline tickets. Sweet! When are you going? It's the uh, last week. So if the Jazz go game seven of the NBA Finals... You're going to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not going to. I'll take that bet. <laughs> Most years there isn't even a game seven for I anybody. I know. The I know. finals ended five or six games. Well, we, that's I pushed it back. So if they got to the finals, I'd be here. But if they go to the finals, it's just Father's Day, mm-hmm. game seven, that's I gotta be there at noon. I gotta be there at noon to check in. <laughs> I have to be there because it's a timeshare. It's not a hotel. 
and I gotta be there. I gotta I gotta check in by noon. Those are the rules. Right? <laughs> and she has been trying to give this to us as a gift for two years. And we keep having to postpone it. We've postponed it three times now. And we want to do that because then I got to get out of the way of uh, July because Pac-12 Media Day and all that stuff. And you know, that's a busy time, too. And so if the Jazz play game seven, I'll have to rely on you guys the next day. Four times in the last 25 years, the NBA Finals has gone seven games. Only four times. The odds are there won't be a game seven. The odds are overwhelming. And then you gotta have the jazz there too. I rolled the dice. You did, but not very <laughs> not very much. And that was the week she could give it to us. All these playoff appearances the Jazz have been in, I'd have I'll have to check, but I don't think they played more than five or six game sevens ever in any round. Now the first round is seven, and it didn't used to be, so that changes things a little bit, but very rarely do they get into a game seven. My wife looked it up before she hit the button to pay. Okay, you know this is game seven. She looked it up. I said, yeah. Your your wife is awesome. I give it a shot. There are so many great (laughs) stories with her. If we could have her on the air, it would be an awesome show. She could tell so many stories. I give it a shot. And so we'll see. You just totally blow through that because she will never do that. She won't. (laughs) She will never do that. She's not interested in uh, any, any limelight. Much like me. <laughs> I desperately want to do radio, but no limelight. <laughs> yeah, but that's the byproduct. You got to do that with it. That's why I put on the glasses and I already got the big nose when I'm out in public, so nobody knows who I am. They don't recognize me. Well, I had a guy over the weekend. I was down in St. George Golf, and he says to me, I'm walking out of the clubhouse, he says to me, you're uh hey you're uh yeah you're uh um you're uh you're uh yeah I listen to you every day you're uh you're uh <laughs> I'm not gonna help me out. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna stand there I'm stand there as long as it takes <laughs> and then my, my wife made me stop doing that people used to say hey did we go to high school together <laughs> no and I was curious. she's like tell them just tell them and um, so I stood there. He's getting like you're uh you're uh I listen to you every day come on man come on come on. <laughs> Well, it's up to you to get it. I know who I am. <laughs> and he says, you're a, a friend. You're, the guy's name is Craig Terry. He says, you're Craig Terry's friend. Like, that's how you identified me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I said, yeah, yeah. I said, oh. He says, oh, is that a bad thing? I said, no, 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 no. I, I love that guy. I just went golfing with him uh a couple months ago, uh, no, but it was funny that that's how he then he, he couldn't remember my name, but he remembered a friend who told him that he knew me. So that was kind of funny that that's uh, that was a new frame of reference. But I don't know, maybe the Jazz. I would love to see them go Game Seven. You know, I just want to make sure that they're fully staffed and ready to go for the postseason. And if they don't have guys along the way, whether it's this month and next month, so be it. Because everybody's going to have this situation. The Jazz were the last team to have it. Everybody had had it before the Jazz. They were the last team to have one guy go in when we, when uh, Joe went in. And then it's Rudy Gobert, and then it's Rudy Gay, it's Elijah Hughes, so it'll be four guys out for tonight's game. So do we sweat the results? I mean, losing to Detroit with a couple of guys out, I mean, nothing against Hughes. Uh, although he did, he did look good the other night. You mean losing to Indiana? They played Detroit tonight. Yeah. 
So if they, you, if, they if they lose, lose tonight, to Detroit, there's no excuse. Even with a couple of guys out. No offense that Elijah Hughes is out. I'm not counting him. I'm counting. But there's three rotation guys. Yes. But still, that's what I'm asking. They ought to be able to beat an eight-win Detroit Losing team. to Detroit with I, I think the two what, Rudys and Joe out. I think what Donovan Mitchell said, and I'm surprised you didn't jump on it because it's a total PK thing to say, but I think what he said is really important. And this is about them winning tonight. It's about where they're seated in the regular season. It's about what happens in the playoffs. And that last update, Yaki, if you have it, you can play it again. That where he says... You know, no excuses. If we want to be a championship team, they got to tighten up the details. They can't be cruising through this. We're the Jazz. We're pretty good. We're going to win a championship one day. That's not going to get it done. It's Nick Saban. Every detail matters. And you've got to grind in February and January, even though that's no fun. But you've got to get to that place where you're hitting on all cylinders consistently. Because if you aren't, someone will take you down. And it might be the Suns, and it might be the Warriors. Maybe it's the Nets or the Bucks. But someone will get you if you don't have that. And it seems like Donovan's addressing that right here. The schedule is going to not be easy for us. So it's like, yo, we got to go out there and do it every night. You know, teams are coming at us. We got to be locked in from the jump. This is a point where if we want to be a championship team, we got to do it every night down the stretch. We got to think about where, where we need to be, our game plans. And well, that's on all of us. When you use his words locked in and every night, because they haven't been. Yeah, no, but if you don't have their guys and you have no answer for Sabonis, what are you supposed to do? Whiteside isn't the answer. They're not going to win every night. I get that. But are they locked in every night? Watch what, watch what stuff. Do they, do they go under screens on known three-point shooters? Because you're right. If you just don't have the talent one night, then you're going to get beat. And they're not going to go undefeated the rest of the season. And even though you never put your fingers in the dirt, you know their nights you watch, you're like, they don't have it. They just kind of cruised for 10 minutes right there. Okay, but yeah, Milwaukee finished fourth last year. Yep. Did they have it every night? Obviously not. I'd have to go back and look and see how many injuries they have. They've certainly been crushed by injuries this year. And that's your point. They're going to be very shorthanded tonight. You're going to miss a starter, and you're going to miss two key subs. But what I'm saying Joe's tonight, really a halftime starter at this point. Tonight, I can excuse, even though the Pacers are still 10 games under 500. Yep. I but the Pacers are still that. a couple. Yeah, well, the, Sabonis is an all-star. He's an all-star, and the Pacers are still two or three cuts above the Pistons. I have a hard time justifying tonight's loss. Yeah, Obviously, happens. Toronto, we get it. And to yeah. an extent, Sabonis, good for him, man. Hat, hat off to you. But tonight, see, I think what you got to do under these circumstances when you're having these mismatched lineups left and right is these seriously sucky teams, and there are just a few of them in the league, then you make sure you win. That's what the Jazz haven't done. I mean, they got to win this thing tonight. This is a crap, crap Detroit team. They have lost to the Pelicans. They have lost to the Orlando Magic. They have lost to some bad teams. And those are two of the bottom five teams in the league. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, we're going to talk with Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. He's going to join us in 15 minutes. NFL, the final day of the season. That was crazy. One good game after another. Topped by probably the best game of the day. We will get to that next. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. David Locke. Our defensive issues are real. 
Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, right? Like, we've got to figure some things out defensively. Go look at us against the home court teams and what our defensive ratings have been this year. It's not good. We're not good if Rudy's not bailing everyone out. We're not good when Rudy's off the floor. we got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how we're figuring it out, but if you want one issue to look at, it's going to be the separator of whether or not this team wins the championship or not. That's going to be it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. A little 47-yarder. That's your Chevy Strong play of the game. The Raiders and the Chargers. The last play in overtime of the final game. It sends the Raiders and the Steelers to the playoffs. Sends the Chargers home. It's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Know it today at 4... No, we can't do it at 4.50, Yach. It'll be during Unrivaled at okay, some point. Know it during Unrivaled. They'll do, maybe they'll do it at 3.50. I don't know when they'll do it. Normally, it's at 4.50 every Monday, but the Jazz play the Pistons today at 5, and the pregame show starts at 4, so it'll have to be before 4 o'clock. All right, DJ and PK, we got the question of the day up. And who are we kidding? we got multiple questions today. How great was the Charger-Raider game? And (laughs) I got a group of college friends. It's funny. They have no idea what we're talking about, but one of them just texted this out on a group text because we play fantasy football. And he says, Dennis says, I think the Raiders and Chargers played the most interesting game I've seen in years. It was wild. I don't think I've seen two average teams fight so hard for a victory. Might have happened, but a regionalized game and the whole country wasn't watching? Or is this was prime time, the last game of the season, and everybody knew the stakes? I think that's recency bias. I mean, I think there's been plenty of them. There's been plenty of great games. It goes on and on. So I, I can't make any blanket statement there. Uh, it was a fun game, and, and Herbert, I don't, I don't think he needed a coming-out party, but even in defeat, it was a coming-out party. Six fourth-down fourth down conversions. And the bullets he was throwing in there. Yeah. You know, we're just sensational. Fourth and 21. He's going to be really, really good. He already is really, really good. Uh, and, and, you know, he's 6'6", 240, basically, and he can move. Jeez. And he was sort of uh, not quite an afterthought coming out of high school. I think his junior year he broke his leg or something. And so that's a big time for recruiting. Uh, but he had a like, lower Big Sky type offers, and then he's wearing Eugene right there. And then they offer, uh, and he's not an instant smash, but he just got better and better, and and has. I mean, he's blessed with the size and just an amazing player. And it was fun to see. There's not, you know, it would have been cool if they would have scored like. Uh, uh, or, or advance the ball on the first downs, but the drama of the fourth down is sort of like baseball. Baseball's drama builds as Kirk Gibson fouls off a couple of pitches. You know what I mean? And the and there's and there's uh, the break in the action, 
to build up the drama between each pitch. Well, there was a little bit of break in the action on each complete because mm-hmm. incomplete because the clock stopped and you don't have to rush the line of scrimmage because there's no. You the got clock's the not moving. You got time right? after the incomplete pass. So it pass. builds up the tension. Fourth and ten. Yeah, and the way that, again the way that baseball can do in between pitches, and he keeps completing those, and just that two point conversion that he had was incredible because he had to look three or four different oh, ways yeah. and then slide to his left and then put one into a small window. Just a two-point conversion was pretty sweet. So you got all that going on there and the Raiders trying to do their thing. And the Raiders have had a phenomenal story, good and bad, this year with a lot of crap that they've had to deal with. And uh, they got they got that thing done. And then the timeout... You know, was that change? What would have happened? Uh, it's, it, how do we know? I, it always cracks me up. How do we know what would have happened if he doesn't call the timeout? It appears that the Raiders would have settled for a tie and you would have been in the playoff. Uh, you know, and that's great. But if you lose 50 to nothing next, next week, you know, whoop-de-doo. Uh, all sorts but were they going to kneel down after that's what I didn't know I don't think they were going to they kneel were going to run the ball they were going to run the ball and who's to say he doesn't fumble who's to say he doesn't uh, break it all the way uh, I mean, he I, runs I for the same amount of yards he ran for before the timeout I know, I know. I mean, without the timeout that he did with the timeout I I didn't get the timeout as the biggest thing down the stretch but it didn't the timeout seemed pointless. It did to us the post game thing was that they had the wrong guys on the field apparently. And they wanted to. That's what their the Chargers coach said was that they didn't have yeah, I the got best that. slash right guys on the field. Well, then, but then they did, and they still ran and for the first down. And that's what he said. Yeah, he <laughs> says we didn't execute anyway, so it ends up not mattering. Right. So who's to say that the Raiders' car wouldn't have had a center exchange or a, a running back exchange, and they trip over each other? Any number I'm, of things can I'm happen. I'm with you on Herbert. Didn't already need a coming out party. He may have to the country. Not to me. He's, not to us. We've seen him. He threw for 5,000 yards this year. He's second in the NFL in passing yardage. Like, he's been good for a while. The only thing you can hang on him is he throws too many picks. And then you'd have to dig through the picks and see if they're really all on him. But the Chargers have too many interceptions. And they may not all be on him. That's the hitch and the giddy up there. And then the second thing is, we have seen with Russell Wilson in Seattle, I think we're seeing it with Mahomes in Kansas City, quarterbacks can be good, very young, and so you need to hit when they're still on their rookie contract, because then when you pay them more, it's harder to put the team around them. So these these are the prime years in some respect yeah. for Herbert. Not that he isn't going to play well down Packers the line. Packers have managed to be good for Doran. They have. Yeah, I mean, it can be done. And, and Patriots were... Right, but Brady takes less money also. Brady never insists on being the top-paid quarterback. Mahomes insists on being the top-paid quarterback. And they're still very good. Does he insist, or do they offer? <laughs> yeah, I, I think if the team could pay less, they would. So I think that they insisted. I mean, yes, the team did offer. I, that's like saying I insist on being the lowest paid guy on the zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's what they offer, so I took it. <laughs> I want one penny less than him. <laughs> Make sure. Why would you do that? So when layoffs come around, you don't target me first. Ah, strategy. Strategy. Herbert and Kirk Cousins are the only quarterbacks in the top ten in yardage who didn't make the playoffs. 
it really is a quarterback-driven league. Get the quarterback to throw for the most yards, and mostly you're set. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Andrew Reinhardt joining us right now from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, the number of clinical studies you have behind your technology keeps growing. It certainly does. Uh, If you're interested in a science-backed approach for ED, not a pill, the science-backed portion is pretty significant. 50 studies that back the technology at Wasatch Medical, multiple universities and hospitals. Uh, I kind of think it's irrefutable, but if you go to wasatchmedicalclinic.com, you can read these. It shows that this is safe. It's effective. The pressure waves repair the blood vessels. It's clinically shown to improve circulation enough we can get rid of the ED. Or if you just want better performance, maybe you're uh, younger, don't have ED, and just want things to be better, we sure do a lot of that as well here. Still, you have guys who hear all the science and all the clinical research, but they're still reluctant to visit you, and there's one reason why, right? I think so. I think that they are a little bit embarrassed. I would say the second one is maybe a little bit of denial. (laughs) They don't want to come in to the ED clinic. But when men finally do, when they go through the sessions, this is a few 10-minute sessions, by the way. It's so easy. It's pain-free. It's not embarrassing, intimidating, or invasive. The results are worth it. Uh, Way prior to Valentine's Day, you could be done with these treatments. You can be ready the results are so worth it. We can do anything, guys, for a couple of weeks. You got a special deal, an offer, a discount. People, you can save them a little money right now. Yes, if you're ready to regain your love life, get the spark back and throw the pills away. Give us a call this morning. You'll meet with our doctor. He'll do an exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound. That's free. Zero obligation, by the way, if you just want to come in and ask questions. The gift just for coming in that produces immediate results, you'll love that. And this is quite valuable. Blood work and testosterone, that's free today as well. Call right now at 801-901-8000. Call Andrew at 801-901-8000. You can claim that that, uh, discount offer right now. Call Wasatch Medical Clinic, Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. Andrew, thank you very much. Thank you.